This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Judd, new Judd IPA, internationally prohibited alcohol. Judd is not responsible for any internationally prohibited activities. Judd, get to drinking. You're listening to Young Grognard, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. A haven. All things nerdy and dungeonous. Enjoy. I want to give a big, warm tavern welcome to all you pyro, cryo, necromancers, all you singers, and you bardic backup dancers. My name is the young Grognard, Grognard the Young, and I'm coming at you with two new guests on the podcast, my friend Joel and my friend Ben. Um, well, uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about combat and what makes combat interesting. We're going to talk all the ins and outs of what goes into just making combat and fighting in this game a much more meaningful and worthwhile thing to be doing in a game that seems very obsessed with combat. Uh, but before we get into the uh, thick of it, let's talk about, uh, Joelle, why don't you give us a drop? What are you all about? What's your nerd cred? Tell us a little about yourself. Well. In that order. Oh, Alphabetically. Oh, God. I wasn't prepared for this. It was too much. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, uh, what's cool is I've been... Playing D and D since 2012 when I met you in college. You were the first one to really introduce me. Girl, you're on a podcast right now. You gotta say, Dan, Dan, I met you. My bad. It's okay. Uh, audience at home, apologies. Fine. So when I met Dan, <laughs> A.K.A. the Young Grognard. Thank you. <laughs> um, in college is when I really started playing, um, and then throughout the years of just playing, kind of over the course of seven years have played other kind of RPG games such as Titan's Grave that utilize that D6 system. I've played Traveler. I've played kind of different D20 systems like the Star Wars game as well as, uh, again, Dan and I kind of well, all of our house really made like a, a game Are we system. Talking about the... We're playing. No, we're talking no. about late night <laughs> cinema presents where oh, yeah, your yeah, girl yeah. was Mister. Oh, Mr. Rusty, Rusty Tremors, Tremors who said, star? yeah, <laughs> and he seduced a cow from space to save the earth. It, it was a good, it was a good game. It was, but it was also, yeah. That was a good as game. It was. So, so next episode of the podcast, we are just, pl- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to bring up the LARPing stuff, but that's, yeah, no, no, we no, never it's okay. did it. It's okay. Oh, we did that night. Oh, we did do it we when sure we did. ran around. But it's okay, it's okay. We don't need to talk about it. So anyway, on the other side of the table. So Joel's uh, a nerd. That's kind of the credential to get on the podcast at this point. I mean, any, if you have a pulse, you're allowed to get on here. I mean, you also play World of Warcraft, which is kind of like one of the weird big things that apparently everybody who's on this podcast has to have played it at some point. But either way, uh, now we can turn to our good, our main man, Ben. Ben, what's up? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started off, I was like mostly a video gamer, like a lot of RPGs, things like that, fantasy-based, and... Uh, my first tabletop experience with Wiss was with Dan. And was See, not he got it right. First try. He'd call me by my name. Okay, like, you know what? Because if he said with you, he would that could have been you. It's you. See, I'm saying at ULM right now, even I'm confused about which one of you I missed. Oh, my God. Okay. So anyway, introduction's over. I mean, not you for Ben. Ben, go ahead. That's so hard. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm refereeing this whole thing. I'm, I'm the conversation master right now. Alright, so, dropping some creds. Uh, let's see. I've only played a couple of games, but I did write my own campaign, or at least started to, and it came off pretty well. So, while I'm not the most experienced person at the table, I do have, you know, information to offer. Insight. Perspective. But you didn't cry when you ran your first game. That's what I did. Damn. <laughs> Today on Boy! the Yoke... <laughs> Today on the Young Grog Nerd Podcast, we talk to DMs who cry. Joel, would you like to tell us just... No! no. <laughs> it's happening. Um, but yeah, anyway. Throw up. Let's jump right into the podcast, shall we? So, today's episode is all about combat. So, combat is interesting in that when you look at a game system, like an RPG system, tabletop, whatever, or even video games, it seems like everything has sort of a mission statement of gameplay that they have in mind. So in D&D's case, it seems like combat has always been the primary objective. You can go back to classic gaming where everything was about the idea of combat and everything else was sort of a supplementary rule. If you wanted to persuade somebody, it was a house rule. If you wanted to pick a lock, I mean, they had a skill for that, but a lot of times people house ruled it. But combat was always at the heart of the game. And thus, throughout all the different editions, combat's always been the center point with which all rules, all classes, all races sort of come to be. So with combat as the most integral part of the game, it makes sense that a DM or a player should be very concerned with, is this combat good? But before we even get into that question, like what even is combat? Is combat fighting? Is combat the engagement of tactics? Is this, the, you know, it, I don't know, it, it's kind of open for interpretation, but I think when we say combat, everybody's got the same idea in mind, and that is there's some level of fighting going on. And usually it's a physical or arcane method or maybe psionic, but for the most part, it's just any engagement where one party is trying to best the other in somewhat deadly means. Fair. Right? Yeah, I agree. And so I think the most important part we have to talk about here is that combat's pretty easy to define, but the idea of making combat meaningful really boils down to making combat matter. And I think that this has a whole bunch of different ways we could go to talk about it. But primarily, I think that combat mattering, to me, means it has to deal with storyline. Joelle and I were just talking about this earlier, about certain groups that you know rely pretty much entirely on combat. Groups that'll make level 20 characters just so that they can explore the rule system. And, you know, that's totally fine. But I don't think that that makes combat interesting. I think that that's just people exploring a rule system that already exists. Now... Uh, clearly that's not what I come to the table to do, but I can see why a lot of people would enjoy that sort of thing. I mean, how do you guys feel about that kind of combat? Are you into that kind of thing? Once in a while, I feel like it can be fun to just blow something up. <laughs> sure, explore the rules. Do the, uh, uh, as me and my old roommate used to call it, the chucka-chucka, when you have a handful of dice and you just <laughs> like that sound of imminent doom as you chuck plastic at a table, but... Yeah, no, I totally get that. Watching stuff blow up is pretty fun, especially when, you know, you get to see the pinnacle of a class. But how much cooler would it be if that Chucka Chucka was, like, a hard-earned, multi-year campaign-derived uh, Chucka Chucka? You know, how much <laughs> cooler would it be if it was the wizard that you've grown to love who's traveled through space and time, got magically aged 500 years, but is somehow still kicking as a lich when he drops it? It's cool, but I think it's only cool because it matters. You know what I mean? I totally so, agree with you in that sense. Um, I think of our first campaign in college where I had, what, my level 13 druid shapeshifter. And yeah. the one moment I was waiting for, even bought a mini, like maybe a couple months before it was going to happen, when yeah. I could shapeshift into a treant. Just kind of that anticipation and growth of seeing your character 
be able to go into these abilities and you mm. watch that progression and see how does that progression of skill kind of impact story or that story where can you find that really cool moment to use it yeah and not to get metaphysical about it but it almost feels like that's not like the the distinction to be made there is that character's name was ruby uh, rubiel mm-hmm. and so at that point it's like that character class was able to turn into a treon but what was interesting was that Rubiel was now able to do it. It was the fact that it now mattered to combat that a character everybody had known for years was all of a sudden blossoming in this new way. It made combat really interesting in that regard because, you know, it was important. It was like the puberty of a character, you know, honky voice and everything. But I also think that it's important to say that that combat where that happened was at an integral point in storyline where, you know, you guys were raiding some underground pyramid that was lost to time and, mm-hmm. you know, you were at the very ending about to free the soul of the original emperor and then you turned into that. So it was just this crescendo in combat where you're fighting huge giant demons and then at the moment when you needed it most, that came into play. So, you know, not only does combat need to matter in a sense of storyline, but I think it should matter also cinematically. But before we delve into the cinematics... Um, ben, can you think of anything else that would make combat really, like, matter to a player? I think for me, like, the most meaningful combat I've ever been a part of was when, like, me and, like, the rest of the group, you know, we're, like, we're, like, there's just such a sense of urgency because, like, your impending doom is very real. And, like, yeah. you're, everyone's, like, pouring through their character sheets trying to find any last spell right, slot yeah. or ability that they have overlooked or didn't use or... And then, you know, you finally make it out with your life, and then the DM just starts to, like, evaluate everything that just happened and everything that's about to happen because of it, and you're just sitting there, like, you know, like that. Right. Such a sense of relief and, like, sense of, like, pride, too, you know, because you're like, oh, we did it, and now, like, like, something great's about to happen, or something worse is about to happen, but it's so engaging, and that's just way better than just... And, you know, that can be accomplished with just one dice roll, not 50, you know? And True. it just makes it feel so much better. Not to uh, not to harp on you any further, but like, can you think of an example of combat where that happened? Sort uh, like an instance where something really important needed to happen. People were pouring over their sheets. Can you think of an instance? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but there's no, a spot no. right there if you want to stand on. Oh, uh, like the first campaign we did, the Crystal Keep. We <laughs> are you plugging my product? No, no, no. Uh, no. If you go on the DMs, go right now with coupon Grognardi. Uh, you can get. No, I'm just kidding. And see now you plug. It's actually, Judd. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The the coupon code is uh, Judd twenty four four twenty Judd four twenty Judd four twenty. That's better. Um, Hashtag Judd. So I forget like the name of the place we were at, but we are. It was when we were in that um, the cave. You mean the the shimmering no, tunnels? Or this is when we had key? the the lair mechanic involved. So we were at like we were near that like broken down castle, and we were fighting like the shadow worm. Or like oh oh no, no no so you're talking about late campaign like at yeah. the volcano yes yeah yeah so and because uh, I remember my sorcerer Atheo like I had the eagle whistle so at some point I was literally just like flying around trying to like avoid danger and like get to people to be able to like save them and it just and like yeah we just had like all the trinkets we had all the spell slots we had all the heals we had all the potions we had they they got used that day and definitely it was a beefy beefy dragon that was giving us some serious business and it was I, mean, I, I may have amped it up a little bit I, may yeah. have had to, I mean it was the end of an act in the campaign but like what's also kind of cool about it is you think about like why you guys were even doing that fight and it was because that whole region was in eternal darkness unless you made this huge move and killed the final boss and 
outside of the volcano's uh, uh, outer walls, you guys could hear the battle going on for this whole region, and you could hear all the warriors that you guys had helped freed from their shackles of the darkness, and so it wasn't just that it was this combat with a huge beefy dragon where it was really difficult tactically. It was like there was this impending feeling that if you guys failed, all would be forever lost. You know? I mean, obviously, that's that's quite the, quite the intense example right there, and, you know... Not every game is going to have, you know, world-breaking super dragons destroying an entire continent, but I think that combat should matter to storyline. I don't think that anything should just be, like, entirely just random tables. I think that all combats should, in some way, tie back to either the storyline or the theme in some way, you know? Um, I think you bring up a good point. We, uh, you, Dan and I talked about this earlier, is that kind of that common theme is there's also has to be danger yeah and especially a combat like that like ben had mentioned i mean i remember in that combat specifically that towards the end of it uh, i believe your character anka had been just dropped at the very end by one last attack so the cleric father glowshine uh wearing his heavy armor was not able to move quickly enough on his own so somebody cast levitate on him or something like that and we basically like football passed him across the entire entire battlefield just to get him there in time so that on his turn he could get her because otherwise the nature of the shadow dragon if she were on the next turn to be dead forever which she was going to be you know she would have come back as a revenant and never be able to come back as a character without a witch or something like that so it's like there was a lot of imminent danger if that move did not happen you know I didn't realize that was gonna happen. There's kind of some weird. Oh, ta- there's we'll some weird. Ta- I remember. No, like I didn't realize like the the point of like becoming a revenant. Like think of how say or whatever it was, but well, think of how. What if that happened instead? I mean, that's the beauty of living behind the DM screen as the mm-hmm. DM here. I'm supposed to make it seem like that could happen, but do everything. About- I mean, you guys football passed a cleric across the battlefield. <laughs> like I did a lot to make sure that did not happen, but mm-hmm. it felt it felt cinematic. It felt cool, but most importantly, like you said, I mean, it felt dangerous. You know, and you know, Ben was mentioning how beefy that dragon was. That encounter was for characters, I think, five levels above your own. But in addition, like fifth, when characters are really survivable. Sometimes you gotta really amp up the combat to make it feel that way. I don't really believe in DMing in a way that I'm potentially killing characters and just doing it for the sake of, like, I don't know, the fireworks show of killing characters. But I do think there's something to be said about how, you know, characters fearing for their lives is... I mean, that's what combat should feel like. And that's a lot of the reason why I ever go back to the classic editions of the game is every combat had such an opportunity for somebody just to get decapitated on accident. Mm -hmm. So it's just... I don't know, combat for me needs to be dangerous in some regard, and if it's not going to be dangerous, it should be not dangerous on purpose. You know, if the party's fighting rinky-dink goblins, there should be a reason for that. There should be some thematic or cinematic reason why the party's doing this, you know? Um, But yeah, Um, apart from that, something we've kind of talked about quite a bit here, but combat should also be very cinematic, in my opinion. And, you know, we mentioned the football pass, we mentioned the dragon being super powerful, but a lot of these instances in combat I will fudge the rules or I'll bend the rules a little bit here or there make a turn happen where it shouldn't or allow a second die roll on something because it makes combat feel like it's in your head as a movie like there's there's some cinematic playing it's it's exciting and engaging in more ways than just numbers on paper and numbers on plastic it should feel like there's an inner working storyline that you guys are watching unfold randomly based on your actions you know uh do you guys have any particularly cinematic moments in combat from playing with me that i can maybe pull back the dm screen and explain what happened 
um, what really comes to my mind right away was the, um, we went down that... I, I also hold the right to plead the fifth. If something is really BS, like, I'm just going to say, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> there was some other DM. It wasn't me. Uh, when we went down the the Sunwell, that Sunwell, like the old, like... True, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old Sunwell. Is that with the spider child? This is the spider oh, child. Oh, God. The Aranea? Yeah, the Aranea, the spider child. <laughs> actually, actually is an spider. spider. Yes. And then uh, the end of that... We've played I, together a few times. If I'm not mistaken, the end of that was um, the serpent humanoid. The uh, Yuanti. Yeah, the Yuanti. And he had, like, a ceremonial Chris, and he poisoned, like, half of us, and then he, like, dropped the poison <laughs> I do remember poisoning you, and yeah. you being very upset about this. Yeah, yeah, because he just <laughs> came from behind my character and just, like, just, like, shivved me right in the rib, and I so was like... So, is this, like, an intervention on bad DMing, or was <laughs> no, like, no, cinematic no. moments? No, like, it was So, it was Dan, really that would have got you cornered on the podcast. You want to tell me what the fuck that was about? It's all good. I got him back. I took his books after. <laughs> I took his books. <laughs> And they got nerd. stolen from me by Drow. Give back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off though. But you got bushwhacked and poisoned, and your character sucked. What else? Yeah, we we didn't even end up killing the the UNT, right? Because he just kind of like yeah, I mean, bombed out of there. Definitely, and it's, I think you know, there's a fine line between being a cheap DM and throwing down a smoke bomb and teleporting out of there and doing it in a way that makes sense for the character. I mean, that character was a spy. It was an assassin trained to get away and be sneaky. So right. when I did that, I felt like it was cinematic. In other instances where we had that, uh, that remember the dude riding on the wyvern or the dragon or whatever? And you guys killed, actually it was, yeah, the shadow dragon, right? Got yeah. murdered yeah, out you of guys the absolutely destroyed it. And I couldn't get out of there because you guys kept locking me to the ground. Like, I could have BS, oh I, I could have cheated that, but I didn't. And it's like, did I want that to be cinematic? I mean, that dragon did come back as a shadow dragon, and only because it died. The shadow left in the morning, and everybody saw that the corpse didn't have a shadow anymore. So, you know, I could have been cheap about it, but I wasn't. And then afterwards, when I had the opportunity to make it cinematic and have the shadow leave, you know, sometimes the deaths are the most cinematic part. But, yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said about bending rules like that to make it more cinematic. But, uh, Joel, did you have any? Well, you bring up, like, deaths, so this was actually my only character death. Oh, damn. But it was, I thought it was done very well and tasteful and Yo, it's okay. I actually, but I totally cried. I mean, I'll tell you my notes <laughs> on that after you finish explaining. Um, so the coming. reason why I thought this combat in particular, so very low level, level two is fighting a baby white dragon. Something like that. Dragon, um, at the bottom of this, this kind of keep castle yeah it was a dwarvish keep on the mountainside uh this was a long time ago yeah so i had a half-orc barbarian named barbonia and so yeah classic real over i had a cleric named cledric you're okay (laughs) (laughs) so what i wanted to do with this character was at the next level i think level three i was or i was trying to build into a berserker class yes the frenzied berserker frenzied berserker from 3.5 Yes, 3.5. Sounds like level 6, right? Okay. So, I thought, while fighting this dragon, Dan did a really cool thing in the sense of giving my character, (laughs) giving me as a player the sense of kind of getting a taste of what kind of power you're going to wield with that class. And so, Dan allowed me to do a cleave action while also, like, doing the one action and continuing all the way through. So, I thought that was really cool. And then, other parts within that combat, I just stick out to me so much as we had a pixie bard yeah who shout out to ronnie shout out to ronnie Squamble, um, the great Squambini. so her character as kind of the killing blow took a spear 
and stabbed the dragon in the eye. And then when the dragon, like, my character, you know, during combat had fallen and gone unconscious, right? I got knocked down. The dragon dies, and it fell on top of Barbonia and squished her, and she died. But it was kind of like the intensity of already having a character drop and just kind of... I would say it was a humorous way that that dragon died. Yeah, I mean, she died as she lived. She mm-hmm. was frenzied as a character and died in a heap. Yeah. But, like, protecting everybody else in the party, you know? So, I, mean, I think that's one of my, like... It stands out. I mean, it's like it's one of those things that, you know, in movies when we think of things like, if Godzilla dropped dead in a movie, it doesn't just fall straight down to the ground. Like, you know, it takes out a few buildings. It does a quick, like, pirouette in the middle of it, yeah, so destroying it a Best Buy. Hashtag Best Buy. Um, it takes out a barbarian on the way. <laughs> but my point is is that I hold that as one of my least favorite moments as a DM really? for presenting a cinematic. Because that was cinematic that came at a rules cost that was directly detracting to the players. Now, in the instance where the UNT, like, you know, slunked out of there with a smoke bomb and escaped, like, it didn't, no harm, no foul. Like, it sucked that it happened, but it made sense. But in an instance where I had a dragon die and land on a character and kill them, like, that character could have been stabilized. That character could have been brought back. There are so many ways we could have gone around it that, like, could have been like, oh my god, she might be dead, she might be dead under this body, but it turns out she's actually not dead under the dragon. I guess she's tough as nails, but for some reason, I shot from the hip and said she got squished. I gave the thing falling damage, and it was enough to kill you when you were downed. In 3.5, when you have, you know, up to negative 10 is usually the rule of, like, insta-death. I think that's where she died, is the numbers just acted out that way. But I hold that that was not, that was cinematic, mm-hmm. but at a cost that kind of overrides its value. Like, if that dragon just fell on its back and died with a huge crunch, and a bunch of icicles fell from the ceiling and hit everybody, like, that could have been kind of cinematic, and it wouldn't have meant somebody had to die. So, in my personal opinion as a DM, there's something to be said about having, like, a real good idea of, of balance and harmony when it comes to presenting dangerous combat that doesn't just kill people. Presenting cinematic combat that's not, you know, breaking rules in a way that harms the party. You know what I mean? Making things particularly unexpectable, uh, sorry, unexpected, but in a way that's kind of controlled. I mean, the real beauty and illusion of being a DM is being able to have combat and storyline look like it's entirely random, but somehow slowly but surely weaving storyline back together. You know what I mean? Keeping it all completely under wraps. Sort of a, how do I want to say it? Sort of a uh, organized chaos of sorts. But um, apart from that, um, was there anything you guys wanted to talk about additionally about combat? I mean, what's funny is that typically when I hear podcasts discuss uh, combat and how to make it interesting, everybody talks about terrain. And I think that's fucking hilarious to me is that, like, all we've talked about is storyline. People at home could expect we've never actually used a board before, and it would make total sense. We do. But that's the point, is that not once do we talk about the mechanics of combat. All we've talked about is storyline, you know? But there's plenty of mechanical stuff you can do to make combat interesting, and I think we might be better off doing that on a different episode, Mm -hmm. but I think there's definitely something to be said about the mechanics of, of combat as well. Stuff like, you know, terrain, you know, dangerous terrain, like having acid in the ground that shoots up in geysers, or lava, or toxic smoke, or falling, you know, columns. Like, all these things are definitely exciting. The classic everybody does where characters are crossing a bridge, and on the other side there happens to be archers. So the party now has this moment of like, oh shit, do we run for it, or do we just try to fight back on a bridge? I get where that makes combat interesting, 
But I think that makes it interesting in a way that's short-lived. You know what I mean? It's exciting for right now, but it's not exciting for the long term. You know? It's like the Tinder of combat. It's like, it's, it's fun for now, but it's only important when there's meaning. <laughs> this podcast is not presented by Tinder. Nor is it sponsored. But like, uh, yo, Tinder, hit me up. Just something to be said about the young grognard attracting all them nardy biddies. Um, so anyway. So. <laughs> so anyway, we're in a podcast, right? A little off track. For some reason, what you just said reminded me of the Is time. this about the Tinder or the nardies? Nardies. So. <laughs> Don't. Woo! Uh, no, it just reminded me of the time <laughs> where we were, like, on the edge of that, like, ravine and the, um. Is this the Aarakocra thing? Yes, the Aarakocra. Oh, my God. I used a minor illusion to make, like, a baby and then, like, threw it in the river. And, like, everyone had to roll to see if they could tell that it was an illusion or not. And Anka failed. The only caster in the party. You were the worst! The one person that needed to not... Like oh, because I know. hated you. Our <laughs> characters hated each other. Actually, that's not true. You loved me. That's because you're you a had lying... no idea I was racist. Because <laughs> you're a lying stack of shit. This character Damn interaction good. is brought to you by using character class skills against one another as a weapon. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean that's definitely an example of someone being pretty funny. I, that ended up being a combat, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was pretty unforeseen. If that ended up being just... a dogfight, courtesy of Eagle Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alright, yeah, the Red Baron was there, too. He brought pizza. Um, but yeah, I mean, was there anything else you guys want to talk about? I mean, I figure we could talk about things like terrain and fumble tables and crit tables and whatnot in another episode about combat, because I feel like this is the part about interesting combat that really speaks to me as a DM and as a player, that, like, if I don't feel like there's anything important going on, like, mm-hmm. why do I care if my character dies? This is honestly why, when I start a campaign, I don't like to start with a combat. I really don't, because who gives a shit if my half-orc dies? Who cares if the elf never makes it to the castle? Like, I don't know you. I don't know this character. The DM did a good job of providing the fluff notes, but, like, this character's never done anything. It doesn't matter if they live or die, but when you get, like, ten games deep and one of the players drops and nobody knows if they're going to make it out or not, like, that's when it matters, and that's when combat gets interesting. You need to put in those man art. You're smiling at me. I'm smiling because it reminds me of when Atheo went into the void. <laughs> or, like, the, oh, astral, yeah, the astral plane. Yeah, you and everyone was just like, oh, God! Because you were, uh, what's it called, a wild mage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so you rolled on the percentile table and you got sucked into the pocket dimension for a little bit. Yeah. But the way, just the way you described it, like... He's just, oh, shit. And I think just also, like, lack of experience around the table. Like, nobody nobody had any idea that I was coming back. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just and like... I'm not gonna say nobody liked Atheel, but I will say combat proceeded pretty much as planned. Father Glowshine was rather distraught until I came back. Yeah, he's also a football. Children! Um, but anyway... Well, um, I, I think one of the points is... Um, I think we talked about, uh, Dan and I, we talked about this over the summer, uh, especially with uh, the other group we play with when we go up to the lake sure, during the and summer. Sure, we play A, B, and D with those Yeah. Guys. What's interesting, and I know we, uh, I brought up, is one of the reasons why I like A and D so much is because I have four or five characters that I'm ready, you know, to just send on in and kind of see, see who, how, makes it out. who makes it out alive yeah. or not. And I think... 
that piece of it, we don't really consider or look at kind of those things we talked about, right? That why does this matter? Why is this cinematic? A lot of it's encompassed by danger. And I think a piece of that kind of that danger then forces you to be strategic. Because then it's kind of like, eh, that idea of do I give a shit and want them to die? Or is it, let's see how many I can keep and how does that kind of progress the story going on? But I know that's kind of different and maybe it's, additions do this differently right i was gonna say i did in the last episode i kind of highlighted this a little bit in an indirect way but i talked about death um in the game and i talked about how fifth edition is different from earlier editions or at least fifth fourth and third are a little bit different from the earliest because the earliest editions death was so possible so likely that it felt like a game mechanic but in fifth edition as well as the other editions that are a little bit more nerfed you're like death feels like a plot device like nobody just dies in this game it doesn't happen randomly and if it does it's a big oopsie but otherwise people die because it's like storyline called for it and a dm gave like you know the thumbs up two people twisted a key and then a character died you know mm-hmm. so when you talk about the difference between ad and d in this edition is that characters in this edition have so much meaning invested in them because it's mm-hmm. so much based around backgrounds and storylines and what they believe in and what their flaws are whereas earlier editions like characters mattered in combat because you looked at that character and you saw that they had earned their stripes because they made it to the fifth level that that wizard who survived with one spell and that spell was free magic like come on (laughs) like that guy earned his respect at Mm -hmm. that position so when he's about to die you're upset and worried because you're like he's come so far I don't even know that he has a last name. Like, his name is Gerberbo, but at the end of the day, Gerberbo has been around for three modules. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy, he's earned his keep, and to see him go is a very different feeling than to say, like, you know, Atheel dies. Like, that's different for storyline purposes, you know? But um, I think that's a, a bit about that. I think we definitely have a lot of room to talk about uh, another episode's worth of what makes combat interesting. Um, but now, uh, I think it's about time we turn to the game show of the podcast. Game show of the podcast! Uh, today we got, uh, something like the match game, but before we get into this trademark copyright thing that I'm gonna get sued for, uh, we have a proud, uh, proud sponsor, um, yeah, they're doing a job. So anyway, without further ado, here you go. Are you feeling lonely? Are you green and angry? Go to hatboxmeat.com. Before I had HalfOrgsMeet.com, I was filled with rage. But now, I have met my woman, Gronko. I have learned so much about love. Gronko, I love you. I love you. Are you tired of smashing right? Would you like instead to smash your heart in love? Go to HalfOrgsMeet.com. Find love. Not the range. And we're back. Uh, another big thank you to uh, halfworksmeat.com. Uh, mean and green. Not too clean. Um, okay. Meet your so. beautiful BGWs. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, let's get this game going. The match game. Uh, so, first of all, I'm going to need you guys to rock, paper, scissors, suit to see who gets to go first. Uh, if you're unaware of how this game works, uh, you guys are going to be paired against a panel of people who have already given an answer to this question. You're going to provide an answer to it. I'm going to give you about five seconds, okay, to answer the question when it comes up. Be cheeky, be funny, have an innuendo, whatever. Whoever gets the most points during the round of matching 
if you get anything at all. These answers are pretty shit. Um, if you get anything, uh, you'll, you know, whatever. Fuck it. We'll figure it out. Go ahead. I went too early. You know, this sounds like my other podcast where there's... <laughs> yes. I also went too hard the first time. All right, let's go. Rock, okay, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, and... I get, what, you did scissors twice in a row. Both of you. I'm trying to get in your head. Do you mind? <laughs> I need complete silence. Say out of my head. <laughs> oh. Suck it! What, you think I was going to go paper? Damn. Yeah. Okay, so with a rock, she crushes scissors for the third time in the row. Okay, so, uh, the first question I, I have for you. scissors. <laughs> I only have scissors. It works one third of the time. So anyway, um, uh, without further ado, uh, the first question for you, uh, Joelle. Barbo the Barbarian. How weird is that? Barbo the Barbarian had the biggest muscles in town. He was so upset when he found out the wizard had a much larger blank. Axe. Your answer is axe? Yeah. All right. So let's see what our panel judges said. So first up, uh, I want to thank everybody who provided an answer. Uh, So first up for answers, uh, Rose said a club. She said that the wizard had a much bigger club. I'll give you one point on that. So that's one point. Uh, Am Hin offered a peculiar answer. He said a much bigger mug. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sarah provided the answer uh, loincloth. Apparently, the wizard had a much larger loincloth. Uh, Ronnie said Doubt a much it. bigger grin. I don't know where I got these people's Doubt answers, it. but uh, Jared said he had a much bigger wand and provided a very specific winky face. I, I thought wand too, but I wanted to go what would really piss off Barbonia's brother. Yeah. And the last one provided by Patty Cakes, Father Glowshine himself, um, the wizard had a much larger stick. So I'm going to give you the point on that one, because clearly he meant the walking staff, and that's, yeah, so that's what? Two points? Two points? So two points, everybody. Round of applause. Clap, 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 clap. All right, so two total points. Ben, do you think you can seize this victory? Suck on the nardies. Yeah, it, by the way, if you win this first round, I mean, uh, the, the first two rounds, you will get a Nardi. We'll go to the bonus round, which is worth another Nardi. And if you pull off the final round, you get a total of two bonus. That's a total of four Nardis up for grabs. So the question for you, Ben, is are you ready? Yeah. All right, so your question is, Hink Dink, the thief, finally got away with that dragon's treasure. Now that he's totally wealthy, he can finally afford a brand new what? Dirk. <laughs> a what? <laughs> well, Dirk. Okay. It's a kind of dagger. Um, but uh, so Rose said, a uh, brand new pile of cabbages. I don't Fucking get it. Rose. Really, yeah, we we're not vibing on this one. Uh, Anhin said dagger. Uh, um, so you got one point on that. Um, Sarah said a mink coat. I don't know what, what Hank Dink one. Oh, okay. Hank Dink Meg. Yeah. You answered okay. your own you question. Know, Sarah, Sarah pulled up. Okay, I just got trolled. <laughs> oh, okay, Sarah's no longer allowed on the podcast. Uh, she's dead to me. Okay. Uh, Ronnie said a new pair of shoes. Uh, Jared said that Hank Dink now gets a new house. And Pat said a new lock. So you get one point for this round. So the total standing is Joel with two points and Ben with one point. Ben. Yeah, I was gonna say Pat. Pat was on my brain. Pat's always on my brain. I love you, Pat. Uh, so now Shut we're gonna have to do another game of rock paper scissors shoot to see who leads this next round. I'll try not to bust early. All right. Scissor me timbers. She was wait. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Joel seizes it again. All right. So Joel, your question. Ferdinand the Furious was too quick to be caught. 
That all changed when one day his blank got stuck on a spear. Fight the urge to say penis. Ooh. So, uh, Rose said uh, that his large jewels got stuck on there. Of course. Yeah, Rose always thinking about the jewels. And Hid said his sock got caught on there. (laughs) Dingus. Whoa. Well, no. How do you get a sock on there? What a dingus. True. Quite true. Uh, How do you get hard jewels caught on a spear? I I can see that. Look, when you got innuendos to serve, there's always a way. Uh, Next is Sarah's answer, and she said he got his cape stuck on there. Mm. Ronnie gave a peculiar answer. She said his belt or whatever that thing is around where you can hold stuff. Oh, like the I'm going to give that the point, because you said it was what got a caught on there, Like his coin purse. I'll say that's part of the belt that holds things or whatever that's called. Dope. Cool. Um, and then Jared said his leg got caught on there, and Pat said his foot got caught on the spear in the spear trap, which brings you to a total of three points. Ben could seize this with a two-point win. There's Let's see if he's got it. feet in this. All right. You know, those two were actually driving home together, so I'm thinking there might have been something going. Anyway, um, so next question... Uh, for you, Ben, the last question is, Bill is the most prepared adventurer. While others prepare their 10-foot pole and their 50 feet of rope, he knows to pack his trusty, handy-dandy what? Potion. Okay. We've got, Rose says that Bill packs his iron rod and wouldn't go anywhere without his <laughs> iron damn it. rod. Anthony just as specifically said that Bill would never go anywhere without his iron pot. Uh, Sarah, making a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, said he would never go anywhere without his towel. Ronnie, uh, also, I don't, she's making a reference to old campaign, I guess, said he would never go anywhere without his bar of soap. Jared said that he would go nowhere without his fishing pole. And Pat seals your fate, saying he would never go anywhere without his lantern. So... As far as the competition round goes, Ben, a uh, nice round of applause for you as you lose. So, enjoy, enjoy. Ouch. All right, that even hurt me. But now you get to watch Joel fail terribly. No. On this next one. Okay, so the next question. Uh, we've got a, a word association game. So you get to pick of our six judges, who do you want three of them to be that you could potentially match your answer with? Do you want Rose? Anhin, Sarah, Ronnie, Jared, or Pat? I'm going to go with all our ladies. Rose, Sarah, and Ronnie. Okay. Sounds fair to me. So your question is, you have to come up with... Yep. (laughs) I mean... It's empowering, Benjamin. I I don't go here without my fellas. Just me and the guys. (laughs) This is true. He's not Saturday. Dang. About to be. Anyway, okay. So (laughs) you have to provide one word... Associated with the word spell. Could happen before it or after it. So, Joelle, what word would you like to say? Book. Spell book. Okay, so Rose said sleep. Sleep spell. <laughs> you picked the girls. Um, and now Sarah said counter spell. And now Ronnie. She's, she's a genius, but damn. Ronnie says. Book? Spell failure. What the fuck? So, Joelle does not get the bonus It's points. empowering! <laughs> I will empower this fist in your booty. I'm into that. Alright, I'll tell you what. For this for this last round, just because Joelle didn't get anything so on hard. that. hard. You should want gonna, me. I'm gonna see if Ben can possibly pull this one off. I'm gonna let him come back for the return round at the very ending for the sudden death on this. Well, not sudden death. 
so here's what we're going to do. You both get to answer this question, but I want you to answer it at the same time. That way there's no cheating. And we'll see who gets more points on it, okay? There's a potential for somebody to win, and somebody to win by a landslide. So, the question for y'all is... The greatest of dragons, Blood Thunder the Blunderous and Dunderous, knew he could not be beat. While other dragons had fire, acid, or frost breath, he warded away creatures with the most hated smell of human blank. Now wait, don't say it. When I count to three, on three, you both tell me what your answer is. Are you both ready? One, two, three. Farts. Oh. I was going to okay. body odor. All right, here we go. Now, this is where we get to a weird rules thing, so we might have to call in a guest judge on this one. But as far as answers go, Rose said flatulences. Farts. Anne Hidden said feet. Ooh. Sarah said hiccups. <laughs> what? I don't know. I got to um, say, when my wife hiccups... Woo! Get me out of Clear the house. <laughs> Ronnie said armpits. Jared said poop, which I'm gonna I'm gonna class over to the farts, which gives you both what two points each. Yeah. So the question is, what did Pat say? I hope your boy was thinking about duty. Now the question is, are you willing to to risk it and say this is a sudden death, and whoever wins this last point wins everything? Yeah. Or do you want to just count it as points like? Because if we're just doing it as points, Joel already won. Well, do you want to make it interesting, Joel? All or nothing? I'll do five minorities on the line if you do a sudden death. Take the high road, Joel. Looking <laughs> for the biscuit. What do you say, Joel? I is won't it be a woman who just puts minorities between my legs and runs. I will show them off. That a girl. I think that <laughs> translates to everything or nothing. Yeah. So, Patty Cakes, Mr. Father Glowshine Pat, said... The greatest of dragons, Blood Thunder the Blunderous and Dunderous, knew he couldn't be beat. While other dragons had fire, acid, or frost breath, he awarded array creatures with the most hated smell of human feet. And thus, Fuck. Ben wins on a sudden death technicality, and Joel goes home, Nardless. I came here Nardless, so it's not like I lost much that's, that's other than my half, dignity. That's not what the uh, half-works on halfworksmeet.com said. But anyway, Whoa. Uh, so as to wrap up the podcast, I hope you all had a great time on the podcast listening today. I hope you all had a wonderful time learning alongside us. Uh, uh, do you guys want to say anything before you go? Anything you want to plug? I just want to say I'm happy to get my Nards back finally. All five of them. I'm going to plug, five. I will be back. And I will become the Nardful. Yep. <laughs> the Nardful. I'm the Nardful. One with the Nard. Jerl of the Nardful. Very good. The Nardful indeed. Um, so nobody has any shows that want to plug any music or anything like that? Um, you could just put a gap of... Uh, I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting a, a transmission from Ryan somewhere. Uh, first, he says "grow," and also "Sabrina the Teenage Witch" season two. Uh, very dark, very nice. Uh, people really like it. Uh, uh, give it a check. I've never check seen it. Okay. Yeah, neither, neither have I, Joel. But people won't shut the fuck up about it on my goddamn podcast. But they're sending checks, so I got to do something about it. Um, but yeah, uh, apart from that. Y'all have a good time. DMs appreciate your players. Players appreciate your DMs. Go roll a 20 or something like that. Everybody say bye. Bye. Music during the commercial. scraping the rectal wall? No, it does not have to deal with scraping the rectal wall. It sounds like Wonderwall. Well, and I have nothing to offer. I am recording this all right now. Anyway, uh, so before I go slander somebody's name.
No, but really. Um, the music for the commercial was brought to you by Kevin McLeod. The song title, Simple Duet. <laughs>